Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music, transcribed with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and HMS Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker. The first song by the quartet features Jerry Dill, the bass, Seeking the Lost. Seeking the lost, yes, kindly entreating Wanderers on the mountains astray Come unto me, his message repeating Words of the Master speaking today Going afar, going afar I would go on missions of mercy, following Christ from day unto day, cheering the faint and raising the fallen, pointing the lost to Jesus the way, going afar. Our Father in heaven, we come before thee in prayer, seeking thy blessing on this broadcast and everyone who listens. We pray especially for those who are weary and tired, those who may have been disappointed in life. Give them 
joy and courage and faith today and give us a little part in helping them. We ask in Jesus' name. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest, near to the heart of God. O oh, Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. Hold us who bow before thee, near to the heart of God. Now Bob Edwards, the first tenor, and Wayne Hooper, baritone, bring us in words and music a sure way to find the answer to our many fears in Jesus. Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker. His subject, Truth for Today. One day in the little town of Sonora in the Mother Lode mining country of California, after a heavy rain, a man was leading his mule cart up a steep main street. Suddenly his foot struck a large stone. He stooped down to remove it and found it was a lump of solid gold about 25 pounds in weight. It had been exposed by the storm. Hundreds of people had passed over it every day. 
Now it was revealed for what it was, pure gold. How many people are trampling the blessings of God, the truths of God, richer than all the wealth of all the California gold fields, and many do it ignorantly. We often fail to recognize the blessings of God and the truths of God. Fundamental truth is always truth, just as gold is always gold. Some truths have a time element connected with them. They are especially important at certain times and stand out in bold relief, just as the gold was revealed when the heavy rains washed away the dust and sand. And so the scripture speaks of truth for today, or present truth, as we read it here in 2 Peter 1.12. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Sometimes people say, why emphasize the second coming of Christ so much? Doesn't the Bible say that of that day and hour knoweth no man? And even if we could know, what's the use of saying so much about it? If we're living right and prepared to die, what else is necessary? Why talk about the prophecies of coming events anyway? Well, these are honest questions. They should be met with honest answers. Our text does speak of present truth. Some truths are always equally true and applicable. For instance, the truth that there is a God, that we should love him, that men should repent of their sins. These truths should always be preached. But there are other truths which have a more local and temporary application, equally important for the time to which they pertain. For instance, the world was warned of a coming flood in the days of Noah. Noah was commanded to preach that warning message. That was present truth then. Was it important? Yes. Did God order it? Yes. Did God bless Noah in preaching it? Yes, he did. Take another example. When God sent Jonah to Nineveh, his message was, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. That's Jonah 3, 4. Was it truth? Yes. Was it truth a hundred years before? No. But it was truth for that day. Was it important? Yes. It was the message that the Lord used to save the city from destruction. But suppose that because the Lord had blessed Jonah in preaching that message of 40 days in Nineveh, and suppose he'd continued to preach it in years afterward, would it have been present truth then? No, it could not have been present truth after that time. Then here's another example. At Christ's first advent, God raised up John the Baptist in fulfillment of prophecy there in Isaiah 40, verse 3, and repeated in Matthew, the third chapter, to him a special message was delivered to prepare the people for the first coming of our Savior. John preached the baptism of repentance, telling men that they should believe on him who was to come after him. It was present truth for the people at that time, and all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. Luke 7, 29. Was that message from God? Yes. Was it truth? Yes. Was it important truth? The, it certainly was. Were the people condemned who rejected it? Yes, they were. Suppose John had given the same message 50 years later. Would it have been the order then to give such a message? No. It would not have been present truth then. By reading Acts 18 and 19, we find that some 15 years after the resurrection, Apollos did preach and baptize after the manner of John. Yet when the apostle Paul went to Ephesus, he baptized those same persons over again into the present truth of a risen Savior. 
for Noah, Jonah, or John the Baptist to have preached what they did a thousand years before the events took place would have been inconsistent. But when the time came, it was just the thing to do. It was present truth then. So today, it is present truth to proclaim the coming of Christ and the events connected with that wonderful day of glory. Our Savior himself declared that certain signs would warn of his second coming. And when those signs appear, it should be as it was in the days of Jonah. Somebody should warn the people. Those signs themselves would proclaim the coming of the Lord. Here in Luke 12, 42, it's written, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Who then at that time, at the time of his second coming, is a wise servant? The one who is giving meat in due season, that is, the proper time. A man keeping borders in the winter provides food appropriate to the time of the year. In the summer, appropriate to that season. Otherwise, there would be complaint. How much more should there be complaints if messages appropriate to the times are not given by the servants of God? Our Savior upbraided the theologians of his day. He said they were not able to discern the signs of the times. Matthew 16, 3. They knew not the time of their visitation. Luke 19, 41. Now the prophet Amos says plainly, The Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret to his servants the prophets. Amos 3, 7. God never leaves his people in the dark concerning important events that affect their salvation. Noah was informed of the flood before it came, Genesis 6, verse 3. A short time before it came, the Lord revealed to him the very time it would begin, Genesis 7, 4. Yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. The time of the sojourn of the children of Israel in Egypt was foretold to Abraham, Genesis 15:13. And when the Lord proposed to destroy Sodom, he said, Shall I hide it from Abraham the thing that I do? That's Genesis 18:17. Then he told Abraham concerning that which was about to take place. To Joseph, God revealed the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine which were to come on Egypt. Genesis 41:26. The number of years the Israelites were to wander in the wilderness was foretold. Numbers 14:34. Moses knew when the time came. And it was revealed to him that he should lead them out of Egypt, Acts 7:25. The 70 years captivity in Babylon was revealed to God's people in Israel through the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 25:11. The very year that the Messiah or Christ should come was revealed, that's Daniel 9:25. The very time when Christ was to come and begin his ministry. Now, if such things as these were revealed to God's people before they came to pass, is it reasonable to believe at the last great day when our whole civilization and the fate of the earth itself will be decided will come without any warning message being given? The judgment, the second advent of our Savior, the resurrection of the dead, the end of the world or of the age are events which the scriptures plainly teach will come at some time. Acts 17:31. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of the Father with his angels. Then he shall reward every man according to his works, Matthew 16, 27. We often hear it said that the Lord might come tonight, or that the world must be converted first, or that there must be a thousand years before Christ comes. But such statements assume that there will be no signs of his coming, or if there are, that they mean nothing. So our second point is this. 
There will be signs given preceding these events to mark their coming. The disciples asked Jesus what the signs would be of his second coming, the resurrection, the end of the world. He answered them, Luke 21, 25. He said, signs in the sun, moon, stars, distress of nations, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear. Then they should see Christ coming in the clouds of heaven. And when these things begin to come to pass, they are to lift up their heads knowing their redemption draws near. There shall be signs, that's certain. And these events are very near at hand, not a thousand years away. It's true that many people look right at these signs that have occurred in history or are taking place but cannot see them because they do not wish to see them. Listen to the words of Christ on this subject. Matthew 16, 3. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? They were good weather prophets. They could tell when storm or rain was coming, but they could not see or did not wish to see the signs of the times. We do not know the day nor the hour, but we know that the coming day is near. It may be at morn when the day is awaking, when sunlight through darkness and shadow is breaking, that Jesus will come in the fullness of glory to receive from the world his own. Oh, Lord Jesus, how long, how long ere we shout song. Christ returneth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. O joy, O delight, should we go without dying? No sickness, no sadness, no dread and no crying. Caught up through the clouds with the Lord into glory when Jesus receives his own. Oh, Lord Jesus, how long, how long ere we shout the glad song. Christ returneth, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen. And now we come to our third proposition. A warning message will be given to the world immediately preceding the coming of Christ. How do we know? Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Noah gave a warning message just before the flood came. And so just before Christ comes a second time, there will be a warning message. And here, we believe, is the message. Revelation 14, 6 and 7. I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, 
saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. It's in your Bible, friend. Read it and be prepared. Soon the Savior will come in the clouds of heaven. How do we know? Fourteenth verse follows saying that the prophet saw the Savior on a cloud of the sickle in his hand and a crown on his head. The sickle is the symbol of the harvest. Matthew 13, 39. When this happens, there will be just two classes of people on the earth. Those who are looking for him and those who say, don't worry, he may not come for a thousand years. Friends, he will come in a way that will surprise those who are not looking for him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2 says he will come as a thief to them. You say, well, that's just what I thought. No one couldn't tell a thing about it. That's entirely wrong. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. In what class do we find ourselves today? We ought to know more about these things, more about the signs and the definite times and places of their fulfillment. Let us study the word prayerfully. Let us search the scriptures and see whether or not these things are so, whether God does have truth for today, present truth for each one of us, and in his truth revealed in Christ our Lord, find peace in believing and obeying it. For we are living, we are dwelling in a grand and awful time, in an age on ages telling, to be living is sublime. Your love. 
faithful in all that you do. Do you fight a good fight? Do you stand for the right? Do others see Jesus in you? Are you ready to stand in your place? Are you ready to look in his face? Can you look up and say, This is my Lord? Are you Knowing that there is a God in heaven, let us keep looking up, going forward in faith. Have faith in God, whatever we do and say. Have faith in God, he lights each step of our way. Have faith in God, who giveth truth for today. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We hope this transcribed program of ours has brought blessing today. And we invite you to listen in next week for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.